Good afternoon, my conscious co-creators. Welcome to another edition of the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. I am very, very pleased that you are here with me today. Oh, we've got another great show for you today, and we are live streaming again today on Facebook. So just go to facebook.com. Uh, look for Sam Leibowitz or go to our Talking Alternative fan page at uh uh, facebook.com slash talking alternative and you can see the video unfortunately my guest today is on the phone so you only get to see my pretty face um, but I always welcome our regular listeners ah, my dear friend Camille from way upstate New York is listening again thank you Camille for joining us all right let's get to our quotes of the day from the universe and from Abraham Ooh, these are kind of long quotes today let's see what the universe and Abraham have in store for us from the universe best case scenario you are a magnificent powerful divine being of light your thoughts really do become things nothing is impossible your dreams are meant to be and these notes really are from an ancient wise all-loving all-knowing best friend worst case scenario you're just dreaming you're a magnificent powerful divine being of light your thoughts really do become things nothing is impossible your dreams are meant to be and these notes really are from an ancient wise all-loving all-knowing best friend and the difference would be the universe <laughs> we love our quotes from mike dooley and the universe reminding us as always that our dreams are our reality and that we really are magnificent, powerful, divine beings of light. And if you have any doubt about that, you just need to go and look in the mirror, look into your heart and just feel, feel the love that you have deep inside. It is there. No doubt. Just look for it. And let's see what Abraham has to say today. Hmm, this looks like an interesting quote from Abraham. Sometimes someone will be sick and a daughter or someone who loves a sick person will say, Abraham, I'm wanting to help this person. And we say, just hold the image of them in a place of utter well-being. And trust, trust that through the path of least resistance, either they will recover and well-being will be restored here, or they will withdraw and well-being will be restored there. But in either case, whether they stay or whether they have what you call death experience, the well-being is always restored. Whether it is someone who has just been bipping along in physical experience, who has been meditating, who knows the sweetness of connection on a day-to-day -day basis, and who says, ah, this life experience has been so wonderful and I think I will now turn my attention to another aspect of my life experience, closes their eyes as they put themselves to bed, make the transition, and they are discovered as having made their transition in the night. Or whether they have some violent experience, where at the gun of an enemy, or at the gun of someone violent, or a car crash, they make their transition. They make their transition. Ultimately, it is still the same experience. Abraham. Ah, very interesting quote from Abraham today, all about sort of this idea of sickness and wellness and transitioning. And, you know, we have a tendency to judge that transitioning from this physical life to the next, that there's a better way to do it or not to do it. That somebody who passes peacefully in their sleep or surrounded by friends and family, that that's better somehow than dying on the battlefield or in a car crash or in a collision accident or in a boating accident or, or, or suffocating or drowning or this way or that way. You know how many millions of ways there are to make a transition. And we tend to judge that as being good or bad or better or worse. And really what Abraham is saying here that uh, 
it's all the same. And that ultimately, when we're not well, and we all want to help this person, we want them to get better, and really all our job is, all we need to do is to just hold this vision of them being well. And then it's really up to that individual because we don't really know that person's path. We don't really know what they want or what's best for them. I remember you know, back six years ago when I first took over the wellness center here and, and I took it over from Giorgio, who was a very devout Buddhist who became a Buddhist monk. And he used to say that as healers, we don't know this Buddhist concept is that we don't know their kama vipaka. And what that means is we don't know their karmic path. We don't know what they've done over the last several lifetimes or even what they've done in this lifetime. And we don't know what's really going to be best for them next lifetime. So as much as we want to help people heal, as much as we want to improve people or at least alleviate some of their suffering, that doesn't mean that we really know What's best? Is it best for them to transition now or later? Yes, we would rather keep the person around because we love them and we like them and we don't want to see them transition. Um, but that's really for ourselves. And, and this, you know, quote really kind of touches my heart a little bit because my wife and I recently lost someone who is very precious to us. My wife actually um, this weekend is going down to Florida for her funeral. And dear Louise, she was a small woman, but she her stature was enormous in her love for people. And Louise, my wife had met her. She was in her first English class that she taught in China where her and her husband were volunteering for the UN. And she was the woman who sponsored my wife to come here from China and if it was not for this woman, you know, my wife and I would not have been married for 13 years. And who knows, you know, if it wasn't for that, would we have the wellness center today? I don't know. Probably not. Probably doing something different. And this woman, she was an amazing woman. And anybody who knew her loved her because Louise was so full of love for people. And although, you know, she transitioned at 89 years young last week and although we would have loved to have kept her around five ten even one more year even one more month how are we to judge what her comma vipaka is how are we to know what's best for her soul what's best for her development and her growth as a being of light so for me i dedicate this show to louise the dearest brightest star in the night sky tonight and uh, my wife will be celebrating her life uh, this weekend so two very thoughtful very wonderful quotes of the day from the universe and from abraham and who knows maybe rather apropos for my guest today it is now my pleasure to introduce to you via phone uh, Donald Altman, who is the author of Clearing Emotional Clutter, and as well as One Minute Mindfulness and several other books about mindfulness. He is a practicing psychotherapist and a former Buddhist monk. Uh-huh, I'm going to have to ask him about that. An award-winning writer and an expert on mindful eating, he teaches in the neurobiology program at Portland State University, and it is our great pleasure to welcome Donald to the Conscious Consultant Hour. Welcome, Donald. Well, hi, Sam. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here with you today, and I just want to say that I was very touched by uh, hearing your story about the woman who uh, sponsored your wife to come over and... The idea of holding people in that loving uh, place and not trying to control the outcome or the expectation of getting well. But um, anyway, I was very touched by your opening comments, and, and thank you. 
Oh, thank you so much, Donald. Yeah, I, I, uh, that's why I, I actually keep r- reading these um, quotes of the day every week because mm-hmm. so many people kind of uh, write or, or comment back or let me know that, you know, they do touch people. And it's so funny. They're always so apropos. And literally, these are the quotes that came to my inbox this morning. And I get these quotes either seven days a week or five days a week. And, yeah. um, you know, they're really wonderful uh, quotes. Um, Donald, I'm just going to ask you real quick. Do you have your computer on or anything? Or are you on speakerphone? Because I'm hearing just a little bit of an echo on your end. Let me see. I, I'm i on a landline, but um, actually, Sam, I'm using a headset. Uh, let me just, maybe if I take the headset out, let me see what happens. Yeah, see what happens, because sometimes those okay. headsets cause trouble. Okay, how, is this any better? Oh, that's much better. You're really okay, loud and so clear, no echo. Oh, that sounds great. Okay, so I I will uh, I will will uh, I just won't use that headset. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. We love the convenience of it, but sometimes you know these technologies, uh, they're not so great. So we just got a couple of minutes before our first yeah. break, and I always like to kind of start off our audience, you know, and have you give just a little bit of background as much as you can in two minutes. So uh, let's just start with because I'm really curious. You're a former Buddhist monk, so I need to know uh, because uh, again, uh, Giorgio, who who was the person I I. Mm-hmm. I I put me on this path is now a Theravadan Buddhist monk in in, oh. the far, uh, in Australia and probably meditating right now in the forests of Thailand or Malaysia. What branch of Buddhism were you a monk under? Well, it was also a Theravada branch. Ah. Uh, they were uh, Burmese monks. That was yes. in this country, though, ah, okay. and it was just um, it was uh, just an amazing experience for me. I, I only spent a few months in the monastery, but I felt I was. I think I was like a an apple that was very ripe and ready to fall off uh-huh. the tree. So, so I'm curious, so. what brought you to become uh, that? Before we get to what, after the commercial break, we'll get into why you're stopping. But what drew you to, and what sort of helped you to make that decision to hmm. become a Buddhist monk? Well, a, a, a couple of things did that for me, and one was. Uh, a certain degree of suffering and pain in my life that had recurred over time, and I kept wondering, why does this pattern keep repeating? Second thing was I had coincidentally, maybe, and I shouldn't say coincidentally, I don't think it was a coincidence, <laughs> right. but I was asked to, uh, a friend said, uh, there's, a, there's a monk I think you'd like to meet, and I'd always had a spiritual path, but uh, and I met, uh, his name was Uthilananda, he was a Burmese monk, and uh, he came to this country in the late 70s and been teaching a very well-known teaching monk, and he, in fact, he wrote a book called The Four Foundations of Mindfulness. Hmm. And But I met him, and I had never before sensed this kind of availability and, and compassion and openness from somebody. And I just instantly was taken by that, and later found out I could ordain with him as the head of the monastery. And so I wanted to learn wow. how did he be- come like that and mm-hmm. and so that's what kind of drew me in was meeting him and also that the, the uh, conditions were right in my life right right gotcha gotcha no i, I totally yeah. understand and and in some ways i think that's a, the same thing with my friend giorgio that he ended up becoming mm-hmm. a monk because he had sort of a lot of suffering both from personal Mm. relationships and business relationships and he pretty much said i've had it with society i'd rather go and meditate (laughs) and work on my spiritual practice all day than Mm -hmm. worry about this nonsense Mm. Uh, and i think we and 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 we can use suffering there's nothing that says we are not gonna experience suffering in life and so but how do we use it and work with it to, to help ourselves grow awaken and evolve and and so my um, my passion, what I try to do in my life, is to um, help just, first of all, just awaken myself and not sleepwalk through life and right. try to see what is it like to really be alive. Right. And how can that be done in a meaningful way? And then to try to impart that to others. Wonderful, wonderful. Okay, so we'll, let, let's get into that. We're going to take a quick break. Um, okay. And, and then we'll come right back. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. My guest this hour is Donald Altman, author of the book uh, Clearing Emotional Clutter and former Buddhist monk, Theravadan Buddhist monk. And we will be right back. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.
Hello, I'm JC. I'm Joan. And, and welcome, welcome to, to 21st, 21st Century, Century Entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. We bring education, insight, knowledge, awareness, trouble, craziness, and fun for you, the entrepreneur who's looking to build your business and your community. Listen every Friday from noon to 1 Eastern on talkradio.nyc. And you can tweet us at 21st CE Radio or Talk Alternative. Are you concerned about epilepsy, autism, or diabetes? Are you interested in alternative treatments, the impact of health, or new therapies? Then tune into my show, Frank About Health. I'm Frank Harrison, the host. Tune in on Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc, where you learn more about these illnesses, treatments, the social impacts, and create a dialogue with each other. That's Frank About Health, Thursdays, 1 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. And welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We're talking with Donald Altman, an expert on mindfulness, especially being a former Buddhist monk. So, um, by the way, Donald, I'm just curious, since you, you, you teach at Portland State University, you're calling from Portland? Yes, I am. Ah, yeah, I, I live about 30 minutes out of downtown, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, I've been here about... 15, 16 years now. Wow. I, I was just talking to our engineer, Rob, here and saying how, like, there's so many spiritual teachers in Portland now. I can I could probably rattle off about four or five, like, right off the top of my head who are all live in or around the Portland area now. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I came here in the late uh, 90s. Uh, it was for a book that I'd written called Art of the Inner Meal, The Spiritual Path Through Food. Oh. And, um, and I had been looking to leave the L.A. area and... Uh, I was just uh, really connected when I got to Portland, and I called um, and my uh, wife at the time, and I we we moved up very shortly to Portland. It just I, oh, I wow. could feel the spiritual energy up here. Wow, cool, cool. Yeah. So so now I'm curious because you're a former Buddhist monk, and we talked in the last segment about how you got drawn to it. What got you to decide to stop being a Buddhist monk? Hmm. Well, I, you know, the interesting thing about the Theravadan tradition is that mm -hmm. you, you really are a monk each day that you're there. You take It's not a lifetime vow, and there's some yeah. other um, monastic traditions. And so it's almost like, I, you know, it's every day you make the commitment to be there that day. And I, I, I went in with the idea that I would be there for a period of time. I always felt my work was going to be out here. Uh, uh, in the world, okay, and uh, there was a beautiful ceremony for leaving uh, the monastery, actually, and taking some vows. And I like to think that I carry the monastery in my heart with me mm. uh, still, and I and I continue to get teachings from some of the monks after I left. Oh, wonderful, actually. wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, someone actually told me. Um, Actually, someone I had on my show, I think last year, or the year before, was saying that, like in Thailand, that you that it's very common. Like after high school, the boys would go and they'd be monks or they'd be in the monastery basically for like three, four, five months, six months, mm -hmm. and then they would leave and then they would just kind of continue on with their life. And it was just sort of like a part of what everyone did in the the local villages, and and no one was ever really expected unless you were really called to it, to kind of stick around like that was going to be right. what you did the rest of your life, which is very, you know, for us Westerners, you know, we tend to think like, oh, well, if you're making that commitment, it's got to be for your whole life. <laughs> and and, and yeah. actually, th there's no rule that says it has to be for your whole life. Right. And what's so fascinating, it's almost like a rite of passage, I think, in some of those countries. Right. And what's also very interesting is I found out that uh, often at the end of life, let's say when a man, uh, and I think women can do this too, yeah. but if you feel that you've discharged your responsibilities, your obligations to your family, and they're safe and secure, that some men actually will go into the monastery and end their lives uh, as ah, a monk. So there's also that interesting uh, cool. transition out uh, in that way. Wow, interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, so now... Um, uh, 
so, so once you sort of left the monastery, I mean, you're, you're a practicing psychotherapist, so obviously kind of helping people and working with people is, is in, in your DNA. Um, and you, it sounds like you've authored, I mean, I knew of two books that you authored, but it sounds like you've authored many books. Yeah, I actually have uh, my 16th book is kind of be coming out at the end of the year. Oh, 16th. Uh, yeah, Clearing Emotional Clutter is my newest book. Uh-huh. And uh, so, yeah, I have written a lot of books in the mindfulness field, different areas, mindful eating, mindful living. Um, I wrote a book called Living, Living Kindness, which, which was actually used at the U.N. to help um, um, different staff. It was used by the U.N.'s uh, meditating, meditation teacher, and they actually... Uh, had one. I don't know if they still do, but he he used that book and taught staff and uh, delegates how to meditate. Oh, so uh, and that book was about spiritual values. So I yeah uh, I've written a lot and okay. um, I, I uh, really feel people are hungry for more information mm. about how to. Uh, get out of their heads and get really into their life in a meaningful way. And, so, okay, so, so and, you know, i got to ask you this now because I'm sure there's got to be some listeners out there or people on our Facebook live stream who are thinking, wait, he said just get out of your heads, but it's all about mindfulness. Isn't mindfulness in the head? Well, uh, <laughs> you know, one aspect of mindfulness is about, you're right, it's about knowing what's in the head, but it's not about uh, attaching or grabbing on or identifying to it. So there's an awareness. It's, I call it constructively distancing, distancing from uh, emotional reactivity. Uh, mm. And I, one way to think about it, Sam, is to, um, and I like to ask people, I, I travel and I do workshops and trainings and around the country, is I ask people, uh, you know, have you counted the number of thoughts you've had this morning so far? <laughs> and everybody laughs, right? Yeah. Uh, and we we know that the average person has between uh, 25 to 100, 125 thoughts per second. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard and some like 20,000 Yeah, 75,000 thoughts in the course of a day. And how many of those thoughts tell you something really profound about yourself? Yeah. Yeah, versus, <laughs> yeah, how many of those thoughts are like <laughs> self-deprecating and yeah, putting yourself exactly. down, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Self-deprecating, uh, yeah, toxic, old habitual condition yeah. thoughts, and so on. So, yeah. um, uh, helping uh, recognize and, and and start to have the light bulb go off, where people can start to, oh wait, that's not me. It's just yeah. a thought, and and that can be very illuminating. And how do we get to that um, deeper? Uh, awareness deeper right. consciousness is more spacious awareness so, so I'm curious from your perspective what is mindfulness well I you know I describe it in in uh, you know traditional uh, mindfulness has four foundations but I um, I kind of describe it in a different way to uh, American audiences Western audiences mm-hmm. and I've developed a um, uh, and, and I've deepened my understanding of it over the years. So I've developed more of a, uh, what I call, uh, it's called Pair Up, P-A-I-R-U-P, an acronym to describe mm-hmm. what mindfulness is. And it's, um, the P is present moment participation. Okay. Um, you know, like that little ticket on the back if you're at a carnival or something that says you must be present to win. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So we, we need to, to really uh, engage in life. You need to participate in this moment. There's a tuned acceptance. Acceptance meaning that uh, there are things that are going to happen out of your control, but you can decide how you want to, uh, 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 the attitude you want to take in the face of those things. And so that's the acceptance. And also mean, attuning means uh, attuning with others. Uh, intentionality is, um, you know, choiceful awareness. It's just how do we uh, make choices on the basis of does it is you know is this beneficial is this of service both to myself and to others so it has a, a morality aspect to mindfulness and that is one of the four foundations a lot of people don't often think about because if you're just being more present more mindful uh, you know you could use that to be oh I could become a better uh, criminal I won't get caught robbing that bank <laughs> I'll be more mindful of, uh, you know of everything so it, it needs that ethical grounding. Right. The hours for reflection, the ability to look within and, and, and notice our thoughts and start to notice um, the inner workings of the mind. Uh, understanding of suffer, suffering, the you means that we, uh, we can be compassionate with others. We start to understand our own suffering, and then we can start to know that, well, this other person, even this difficult person in my life, 
and everybody has at least one, right, (laughs) Uh, that this difficult person in my life, they have suffered, and we actually share, or we have more in common. We all age, we all uh, experience loss and grief and so forth. So if we can understand suffering, we can also become more compassionate. And then purposeful partnership is for the P, and that means how can we support one another? And um, just like today, I hope I'm supporting your show and you're supporting my work. And so what we can do is we can come together and and look at how we can um, help one another. And so it's not just about mindfulness. It's not just about being in the head. It is about being aware of your thoughts and being aware of what's happening in the body. But it's also this, you know, you mentioned at the beginning of your show, co-creating this reality, co-creating and how we can do that together in a meaningful way. So that's how I kind of, that's the... You know, some people just define it as a, it's an it's a, it's you know it's an open, non-judging awareness of this moment. <laughs> um, but I get into it a lot more deeply, right, and right, I describe right. all those six steps in the book. And the Clear and Clutter book is based on those six uh, key ingredients of mindfulness. Okay, cool. Yeah. So let let's let's now you mentioned it. Let, let's talk about it. Why did you decide to write a book about emotional clutter? Hmm. Well, I, you know, I think it's, uh, it, it, maybe it's a little bit part of my evolution, but I see this as a really um, transformative uh, book and a, and a way to uh, really awaken our consciousness because, uh, you know, uh, and, and I think clutter is a great way to describe it because we can all see the physical clutter and, it can, you know, it's very evident. Right. But mental clutter is often invisible to us. We don't even know it's there. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. shocking when you think about it, how unaware we are of all the mental clutter, of uh, ancestral clutter, or, you know, and maybe mm. uh, family clutter uh, that we're carrying with us. Like, uh, I think, let me just share a little story about a woman I worked with, and she, when she came in to see me uh, as a psychotherapist, I'd come in, she'd come in with uh, depression, and... And during the initial session, she kept returning to this one story where she kept saying, you know, my mother, she abused me, she mistreated me. And I uh, was trying to be very empathetic toward her. And, and, um, but she kept returning to that story. And at one point, I had to, I had to uh, interrupt her and say, you know, I, I, know, you know, I notice you keep telling that story a number of times, and it's obviously important to you. Um, and we'll get to that more as we work together. But have you tried to count the number of times? I'm curious. Have you tried to count the number of times you tell yourself that story in the course of a day? Mm. She paused, you know, and she looked at me. And, and she, you know, she said, uh, wow, she said, I have tried to count how many times I tell that story, but I always lose track. <laughs> <laughs> and then she said, but I notice when I don't tell that story, I, I found that I'm a lot happier. Ah, yeah. So there was some awareness, some vague awareness of the impact of this old clutter story from her her uh, childhood, and yet she was, you know, it was like a imagine a car that's spinning its tires in in the in a rut. She couldn't get out of it, and so um, right. the clearing clutter book is what gives us traction. Mm-hmm. And can help us get out of those ruts and get more into the present moment, and also look at our strengths and I uh, and, and and look at um, uh, what we have within us that we can draw upon. Right. And mm-hmm. so part of the um, uh, you know some of the tools that I have people work with is uh, to start noticing the strengths, which you know we might not notice the clutter, but we also don't notice often uh, the wonderful strengths that we have Wonderful. to help us get through the day. And sometimes you know, we either devalue those or we just think, oh, that's just my routine. We don't really give ourselves credit. Mm. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Okay, uh, Don, it's time for us to take another quick break. And it'll be real short, just okay. a minute. Uh, and so when we come back, let's talk a little bit more about sort of these internal and external manifestations of emotional mm. clutter, okay? Great. Wonderful. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hi. 
Hi, this is Rob Kay. And I'm Callie Alpert. Are you looking for a show where people talk about real stuff like life, love, the pursuit of being yourself? Well, then you have come to the right place because The Rob and Callie Show is doing just that. For the last 10 years, Rob and I have been having our own version of Sunday morning therapy sessions on the phone, and now we're bringing it to the radio. So tune in and call in live Wednesdays, 8 to 8.30 on talkradio.myc. And that's Eastern Standard Time, so join us. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. My guest this hour is Donald Altman, and we're talking all about mindfulness and what he deems emotional clutter in his new book, Clearing Emotional Clutter. So, Donald, I'm just curious about something. See, because my wife always gets on my case. Like, I'm, I'm a hoarder. I keep stuff all the time. My wife is the exact opposite. She's always throwing stuff out. So I'm curious, do you find in your practice that when people who have a lot of emotional clutter, does their physical environment tend to be cluttered, or is there not really a, a correlation between the two? Yeah, no, not necessarily. Uh, I yeah, it's sometimes a separate. Um, it's interesting, but sometimes I just have found it to be uh, separate. Uh, uh, okay, I think people can be very organized, but they still don't recognize the all the uh, emotional clutter going through their head. Okay, so just because somebody has a very clean uh, place and not much stuff and everything's in the perfect place doesn't mean that they don't that, that there's not some clutter going on internally. Right, right. right okay. So, um when we talk about emotional clutter, um you know, I think people probably don't take it too seriously because it doesn't sound like a big deal. Oh, well, it's just some clutter. I can just sweep it under the rug or, you know, I can just clean it up whenever <laughs> I want. But it's a, yeah. a little bit more serious than that, isn't that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And this idea of sweeping it under the rug is exactly uh, the antithesis of what mindfulness is about, which means that right. we directly <laughs> confront what uh, is before us and 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 our, you know it's kind of like being in the what is as opposed to the what if so we are trying to be present with everything and um, I heard a wonderful quote from and I'm going to paraphrase this from Pema Chodron who's a, a um, oh yeah um, a lady uh, I love Buddhist her work nun, and she wrote or said something to the effect of you know you might be the most um, depressed person in the world the most miserable person in the world the most addicted person in the world but that's the best place to start. Mm. And so you really you start where you are, and you start by noticing what you can notice. And, um, uh, you know, we, we tie knots, and I use that as kind of a metaphor. Right. Uh, you know, if you're stuck in traffic and you yell at somebody out the window, I mean, you're endangering maybe yourself and that other person with, you know, road rage. Uh, and, and yet... Um, how many of us really look back at where did that start? Mm. Oh, how did that not first get tied? Where did that anger start? Where did my impatience yeah. start? Where did my f frustration with others start? And uh, these little things that you might not think are big end up pushing away those that we love, affecting our relationships and uh, affecting our ability to be uh, really effective in the world. And so yeah. um, you might think they're just... Um, you know, uh, brief manifestations of of some emotion, but they, they really have a big effect on us. And internally, the effect is that uh, we, you know, the, the uh, negative cortisol and adrenaline hit that we get from being uh, right. negatively aroused um, really affects our immune system. So you're also talking about um, being more vulnerable to illness, You even uh, when you're under a, a stress state. Even uh, something called NK cells or natural killer cells that are part of your immune system are, are destroyed by cortisol, uh. and um, and those fight viruses and even some kinds of tumors. So there's a direct link with how uh, um, you're the peace within your mind and the wellness in your body. 
Right, right, right. So yeah, it actually has physical manifestations. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. So how does somebody like start off even recognizing that they have emotional clutter, or should we just take it for granted like we all have it? Well, first of all, we do all have it, <laughs> and um, and our minds can be just very, very reactive, and they're very fast. Right. being reactive. And sometimes, they're, I, I call it mind whispers, our, our thoughts are so fast, we don't even know yeah. that we're acting like a robot in response to these very subtle uh, mind whispers or subtle mind commands that are conditioned thoughts. But, so one way that you can start to break free of that is to do what I call inner Facebooking. Mm. And, I, and I have a whole chapter about that. And Ooh. that, will, I think, will wake people up to yeah. let them see, wow, this is what's going on in my mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so tell me more Facebook. about that. We're, tell me more about this uh, inner Facebooking because we're we're big Facebook people here on the radio station. Oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know if you knew that. Some uh, research. It wasn't. Re- yeah, it was research from Facebook themselves that came out about a month ago, and they said that the average Facebook user is on Facebook about fifty fifty one minutes a day, and that's about yeah. one sixteenth of our waking time. So that's a, a lot of time, yeah. and. Uh, and the thing is to notice how, you know, notice a Facebook can affect our emotions, right? Mm. By the posts that other people put up and so right. forth. But in the same way, so that's kind of a metaphor for how can we notice the inner Facebook posts that we're, we're, are, we're putting up in our minds? Mm. A Facebook post, a, a mental Facebook post that says, you know, I'm not really as good as that other person, or I'm inadequate, or um, gosh, I wish I, you know, uh, I had that other. I wish I had that other job or that other promotion. Why didn't I get that? All these things are rattling around, and these are like Facebook posts, mm. and you're putting up thousands of them every day. And how many of those are really telling you something uh, about your strengths, or how many are negatively affecting you and impacting you? Mm. You know, we know that um, that verbal abuse. Now, this is really fascinating. You know, we've been learning a lot about science and the brain. We learned that, that verbal abuse and even from, uh, and from parents or parental and peer, you know, you know so you're with your right. friends or you're at school, that peer verbal abuse can actually be as bad as physical or sexual abuse. Right. So here right. we are talking about internal, our own abuse of ourselves, mm. and yet we let it continue, Right. Right, and you know, and so um, this this practice of starting to notice your inner Facebook posts and start to just notice it with a sense of curiosity, mm-hmm. uh, not to blame ourselves. There's another negative thing we can right, say, right? right? Oh gosh, <laughs> look at all these bad thoughts. I'm I, I suck, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> or you can actually start to distance from those thoughts and just get curious about them, and just to notice. Wow, look at that thought. Look at that negative thought. Look at that interesting thought. Isn't that amazing? And just have a sense of wonder about them. I had a, a gentleman I worked with, a uh, great story about he He learned to distance from his thoughts. He would have anxiety attacks every day. I mean, it was incapacitating him. His father had died at a heart, of a heart attack at a very young age, Sam. Mm-hmm. And so what he uh, did was he had actually learned to hyper-focus on, on his body, and bodily sensations. So if his palms noticed they were a little, you know, clammy or a little wet, he'd, he'd have a catastrophizing thought, oh my God, this is the beginning of that heart attack. And uh. then he would escalate up with all these thoughts until he would have an anxiety attack. Well, wow. so as I worked with him, um, and uh, one of the great things about mindfulness is it does get you into the body and you know, yeah. the, I call the body kind of an early warning system for knowing what's happening. And so he, he started to notice the body, and I got him into the body and kind of out of his head, right? And he noticed the body had all of these hundreds, thousands of little sensations every day, and that the thoughts were different from what was happening in the body. They were not the same, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And so eventually he would hear these catastrophizing thoughts, and he would just say to that thought, he'd say, oh, hello again, old friend. Ah. <laughs> he didn't fight. He didn't resist that thought. Okay. And we put a lot, you know, think about how much energy you put into resisting your thoughts. Ooh. Right? Never thought That's about suffering. That. Yeah. that is suffering. And so, you know, the, I think one of the key ideas in this book is to how do we release ourselves from the suffering? 
right. of emotional clutter. Right. And so once you don't have to grab onto that thought or you don't identify, and, and oh, that's not necessarily uh, a fact, right, or that's not mm-hmm. necessarily who I am, gives you a sense of relief, uh, mm-hmm. a sense of liberation, where then you can be, you know, you can be more present with what's happening right here in front of you instead of being stuck Right. Uh, grabbing on to all those thoughts. So that's how I think inner Facebooking can mm-hmm. be a very powerful practice. And, and, and I guess, you know, meditation ends up being sort of like practicing for not holding on to it. You know, I know a lot of people feel like mm-hmm. meditation is supposed to be about not thinking, but really it's not. It's about not holding on to your thoughts. So if you can that's just... That's how I view it, yeah, yeah. Is that it's not about, quote, emptying the mind and having no thoughts, but right. about uh, recognizing what's in the mind and not attaching or, yeah, not clinging to it. Right, right. And um, uh, what role... I'm, I'm a big believer in community. I was just on the prior radio show with Aurea and being community radio. We were talking one of the aspects of, of sort of a spiritual path is community and how important community is with us. How important is community when you're working on your emotional clutter? Oh, you know, I think it's very I think it's very important. And it's very important to start to recognize the positive resources in your life mm-hmm. and people who uh, you can be a benefactor too, and also people who maybe are your benefactor. Mm. And learning how to draw on those resources and to uh, and to kind of and to let them in, mm-hmm. right? This right. whole we you know we live under this illusion we're a very independent oriented uh, culture, individualistic, yeah. and so we sometimes have the the false belief that you know I'm doing it all myself, <laughs> and, and and in truth, you know everything's interconnected, and so how can we? Uh, start to to open up and develop friendship and develop uh, what I call that purposeful partnership. I, I think it's really critical. Hmm. But how does that help with the clearing of emotional clutter? I mean, I think we all get it. I mean, I've, I'm a big proponent mm. of community. Community is so important in my life. But then how do we apply, okay, now I've got like-minded people around me and I've got some good people who support me. How do I apply that to clearing my emotional clutter? Well, because it helps you connect with your gift. Ah, uh, and, okay. I, and I think that what's important is to start to really, uh, and, I, and, I, and I talk about this here, is so helping people identify, what is my gift? What do I have to offer? Right? Where's my passion? And once you identify mm-hmm. your gift, that focuses you. That gives you uh, a meaning. And, and that clears away a lot of the negative clutter because you uh. are moving towards something. And uh, and you're being more intentional in your life. Right. So I think there, yeah, I think there's a that's a good question you raised because I think that that um, that's that um, using recognize your own gift. Like there's a guy who I interviewed who a fascinating story. A lot of people think they their gift has to be some big, huge, giant thing, and often it's what we already have to offer. Right. Like this guy had um, he was a barber, and he. Uh, his daughter had an ear uh, problem, and they brought her to a clinic, and they had to do an operation. He couldn't afford it, but mm-hmm. they donated it to him, and he was very touched by that. And he said, you know, help my daughter. What can I do for you? I said, you know, I, I'd like to help somehow, but, I, but all I am is a barber. You know, I cut people's hair. And they said, well, why don't you cut people's hair for uh, for people who are in need, who maybe are going on a job interview and want to look good. And so he started doing that. And he was doing like, he, he, you know, I don't know, several thousands of haircuts. And I actually talked to some of the people whose hair he cut, people maybe living in, um, you know, uh, uh, homeless shelters and so forth. But getting that haircut meant a tremendous amount to those people. And so here he shared something that he already had, his gift, and um, really changed lives for that, for those folks. So um, sometimes we don't have to look too far to find that find that gift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, I, I love that story. I even saw something like that on Facebook. <laughs> oh, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, it's my first take. Believe and it you know or what? I want to say I'm not, um, yeah, I think technology is great. And we, but we need to know how to help it help us get inspired by it. Right. And I think that yeah, right. it, it, it's a tool like any other, and it's just learning how to right. use it the right way. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Believe it or not, it's time for us to take our last commercial break of the show. So when okay. we come back, um, I want to talk a little bit about um, uh, um, listening and and mm. well, I'll talk a little bit and then a little bit more about focus because I see that focus is, is very important in this. Okay, Don? Yeah, great. Wonderful. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, and we'll be right back after these messages. You are listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your host on TalkingAlternative.com. I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to SecretsOfTheSire.com. Welcome back. We've been speaking this hour with Donald Altman, uh, author of Clearing Emotional Clutter, a mindfulness expert and former Buddhist monk. Um, so, Donald, I, I just uh, want to talk just a little bit more about f- sort of focus, because it sounds like uh, what you were saying in the last segment is that when we purposefully and, and mindfully choose our focus, that that actually helps us with sort of sweeping away some of the emotional qu- clutter that kind of takes up our energy and takes up our time Mm -hmm. yeah so when you're really uh in this present moment for example i want everybody to take a nice long breath right in right now and hold that and then let that go now what you were experiencing there was that yesterday was that tomorrow (laughs) right and when you're very very much especially in the body and with breathing um you're you're not lost in those thoughts, right? right? But you're really more present, and so that's that's just ex- one example of focus. And um, uh, you know, mindfulness is about how we use our attention. And actually, believe it or not, I think this is one of the cool things: is that how you pay attention, what you pay attention to, and the thoughts you have, literally scope the inner uh, physical structure of your brain. Something oh, we didn't really? think was even oh. possible years ago. So it's from the inside out. You're rewiring oh. your brain, and it's uh, it's actually got a name. It's called self-directed neuroplasticity. Yeah, I was just going to ask you. So it's all the, that that science of neuroplasticity about how plastic yeah. the brain, real, brain really is, and that we can we can intentionally resculpt it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, wow, and cool. it doesn't take a whole lot of time. Even just a few minutes a day can help that. Wow! Wow! Cool. Cool. Um, I, I know also you talk about how listening is a very effective tool for helping to clear the emotional clutter. Absolutely. And I think listening is one way of being, uh, you know, you talk about being in community, Sam. Right. And I think uh, it's so important for us to be able to uh, uh, have a dialogue and really uh, mutually listen to one another, not just espouse our ideas and, right. you know, this is what I believe, right? And it's kind of like hitting someone over the head. So I, I think that uh, this idea of learning how to, to really listen, you know, whether you're in a relationship and you're having a problem, or whether you're having a, a, you know, a disagreement with somebody, how can you shift 
And so I, I actually, uh, you know, talk about that in the book. Right, right. Yeah, and I've heard a lot of people talk about, um, uh, they mention, like, are you listening to answer the person? Are you, like, busy mm. thinking about what's the next thing you're going to say? Or are you really listening and taking in what the other person is saying? Because, l- let's face yeah. it, so normal human beings, most of the time we're listening to respond. We're not mm-hmm. really listening to take in what the other person is saying, aren't we? Yeah, there's a great little story that I love, and then I, maybe I could share this uh, listening tool with you and your audience. Sure, that'd but, be great. Yeah, there's a great little story about a, um, uh, this uh, man who was a scholar at a, at a university, and he went to see this speaker who'd written this book on a similar area that he had been studying. And, and, and afterwards, he went up to him and he said, well, I just loved what you wrote here, and I, you know, I've been studying this myself, and I, I, want, I thought maybe we could uh, share a cup of tea and, and talk about it some more and share ideas. So the guy said, oh, okay, great. And so he went and this, uh, went back to this man's house, and he made some tea. And, and um, But the man who had written the book, the so-called expert, um, instead of listening, he just kept espousing his own ideas, repeating them over and over and over. And at one point, um, so the other man, the scholar from the, the town, went and he, he refilled the man's teacup, and he, he let it go until it was overflowing the Scott, the uh, the expert said, "Wait, stop, stop! You can't you see you're overfilling the cup?" And the man finally stopped and he said, "Well, he said that's how I feel talking to you. Your cup is so filled up with yourself and your ideas that you're unable to hear anything that I'm saying." Mm. I heard that yeah. exact same story, yeah. but interestingly, I always heard it in terms of a monk, <laughs> a Buddhist monk, oh. uh, talking with a with a potential disciple who wanted to know all the wisdom he had. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. <laughs> that's so funny. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, so, so, so how do we listen to people? So, I, you know, I have a very easy acronym here, and, and, and you could do this right in the middle of when you're... You, when you're, you know, if you're getting in the point where, you, where you're noticing that you're not really listening or you're noticing that you're getting defensive. And so it's H-E-A-R, here okay. is the acronym. Mm-hmm. And the H means just hold your assumptions. So just mm-hmm. for the moment, even for five minutes, could you set your assumptions to the side? So then just remain open so you can listen with, a, a you know, a sense of um, curiosity. And, you know, it's just, uh, you know, kind of a neutral witnessing awareness, just opening up, right? So you're setting your assumptions aside. And then uh, E stands for entering the emotional world of the other person. And that really is, you know, using empathy to engage, not enrage. Mm -hmm. And so when we uh, kind (coughs) of just try to step into the shoes of that other person, <coughs> excuse me, mm-hmm. and try to understand well, where are they coming from, how do they develop these ideas, and just get, again, get curious, but also get, uh, have empathy and a deeper understanding for them. So you're kind of mm-hmm. joining them for a moment, and you're feeling what it's like to feel that way. So if they're angry, you could, you know, you could say, well, I've never seen you so angry. Help me understand this. <clears throat> the A is for absorb and accept. So, um, again, like a sponge just uh, doesn't slosh water around on a countertop. It actually takes it in. So this is just allow yourself to really hear and take in what you're hearing and accept that this is where that other person is right now, that they don't need to be fixed, you don't need to try to change them, but you could accept that this is their understanding at this in this moment. So the first three of these, the H, E, and the A, are about really opening and listening. The R is reflect and respect. So that means that now you don't want to think about what this person said. Maybe now is not the time to respond. Maybe you need to step away and let them know, you know, let me really uh, think about this more. And then reflect inwardly. Maybe even talk to somebody who uh, could offer some wise uh, insight to you about it. And then respond only when you're ready to do so without anger, mm. but respectfully and, and kindfully, right, mm. and to bring that back into the conversation. And mm. um, so I think with these uh, four very simple steps, actually, it can really shift how you're uh, connecting with another person, communicating, and allowing yourself to not just 
uh, be stuck in your old ideas, but to really open up. And you may get a completely different understanding, and it could be a beautiful experience to try this. So then clearing emotional clutter, it's not just about what's going on inside of us, but it's also in about how we relate to other people. Oh, yeah, a- absolutely. And, and I think that when we can do that, we can strengthen our, our relationships, strengthen our friendships, and remove uh, some of that old uh, clutter connected to that, right. our old belief systems, which can be uh, creating a lot of clutter for us. Yeah, 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 yeah. wonderful. Wonderful. Well, well Donna, unfortunately, we're, we're coming uh, close up to the close of the show. If people want to get a copy of the book or, or learn more about it, um, are there any places they you can recommend for them to go? Any sure, resources? sure, absolutely. You can go to uh, Amazon, of course, or Barnes & Noble. You can uh, go to my website, which is mindfulpractices.com, M-I-N-D-F-U-L, practices.com, and learn more about uh, my work. I have a newsletter. I invite you to sign up for that. And there's new uh, contemplative practices every month in my newsletter. And and um, so I invite you to do that as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm wondering if, do I have time to read a, you know, since you had a wonderful quote, I have mm-hmm. a, a, a short quote here. I'd would I be able to share that? Certainly, yeah. certainly. You can share, share your quote real quick. We've got about a minute left. Okay. This is called Invocation to Holy Sophia, the Goddess of Wisdom. And my, my beloved, she left it on my uh, desk here by my phone this morning before she uh. went to work. And it's a poem by Alice Howell. It's, O Holy Sophia, Holy Wisdom, Holy Joy, hidden for so long, come forth and reveal yourself in the world, in our souls. Help us to see with a loving eye. Help us to hear with inwit and intuition. Show us how to be natural and kind. Show us how to find ourselves in one another. Lead us from who we think we are to who we really are. Let us learn from the flower that we need not strive so hard. Teach us to allow that light from within to unfold us as a gift like your rose. Mm, beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much, Donna. Really appreciate oh, you thanks, taking Sam. time out of your your uh, busy schedule. Um, what's your next book uh, that you're working on going to be about? You know that is it doesn't have a title yet. It's going to be a uh, uh, it's going to be a uh, a book of uh, a mindful coloring book along with uh, some actual uh, very simple practices. So the pictures, the drawings actually go along with the practices, the oh, exercises. Cool. So it's a very unique book, and uh, hopefully that'll be out the end of the year. And if you, you again, if you uh, sign up for my website, you'll learn more about that. All right, wonderful, wonderful. Maybe we'll have you back on the show end of the year, beginning of next year, to talk about that. Hey, cool. All right. Well, thank you so much, Donald. And of course, you're welcome. And of course, thank you to all of my Facebook fans for uh, watching the live stream on Facebook, Camille, Eric, Cheryl, and and, uh, others that popped in and out. Thank you for all the likes. Um, Of course, if you guys, you know, want to know who's coming up next week, please go to our website, talkradio.nyc, sign up for the newsletter uh, so you can get the, the lowdown on all of the shows. Thank you all for listening so, so much. I will be back next week with more new guests and more enlightening perspectives. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you real soon. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you concerned about epilepsy, autism, or diabetes? Are you interested in alternative treatments, the impact of health, or new therapies? Then tune into my show, Frank About Health. I'm Frank Harrison, the host. Tune in on Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc, where you learn more about these illnesses, treatments, the social impacts, and create a dialogue with each other. That's Frank About Health, Thursdays, 1 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your host on TalkingAlternative.com. 
I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to secretsofthesire.com. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Hello, I'm JC. I'm Joan. And and welcome welcome to to 21st Century Entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. We bring education, insight, knowledge, awareness, trouble, craziness, and fun. For you, the entrepreneur who's looking to build your business. And your community. Listen every Friday from noon to 1 Eastern on talkradio.nyc. And you can tweet us at 21stCE Radio or Talk Alternative. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. 